the Made to Lead podcast, a show where we tell the personal and professional stories of amazing people of African descent who are leading in their own way. I'm your host, Aziz Garuba, and on each episode, I interview a dynamic individual and discuss their achievements, challenges, dreams, and aspirations, and the lessons they've learned along the way. These candid conversations are meant to showcase their superb talents and leadership philosophies with the hope that inspires you because you were also made to lead. If you're listening for the first time, I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show. Also visit our website, madetolead.co, for more information about each episode. All right, welcome to another episode of Made to Lead. I'm your host, Aziz Garuba. And today on the show, I've got Horace Matthews. So Horace is, is currently the uh, Chief Information Officer and VP of Digital and Information Technology at World Vision Canada. Uh, he's accountable for the digitalization strategies, uh, building and leading multidisciplinary and agile teams uh, that support digital provisioning and technology initiatives at World Vision Canada. Uh, World Vision is a non-for-profit organization, and he's had more than two and a half decades of experience in information technology with deep expertise in digital, agile, data governance, enterprise architecture, and cloud technologies. He's also a certified project management professional, and he's worked uh, he's worked both in the public and private sector, uh, including for the City of Toronto, uh, GS1 Canada. Uh, Rogers Communications and CGI. So welcome to the show, Horace. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, let, let's start with, um, you know, you, you've had a long and illustrious career so far, but let, let's go back to, to sort of the beginning um, and where you grew up. You know, uh, you're from Jamaica. Um, so let's talk about that upbringing um, and how you ended up in Canada. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, thanks again for having me. From Jamaica, from central Jamaica to be exact, and Mandeville, it's a, it's a city or, or town, I should say, in, in the parish of Manchester. So it's right in the middle of, of Jamaica. Um, I was blessed with, with having, um, parents who were number one, faith based and, and number two, hardworking and, and really encouraged, um, that work ethic it, with my, my brother and, and myself. I, I have one older brother. That's it. Just two of us boys. And uh, so I went to, to high school there. Um, I went to Bel Air High in Manila. Um, it, it's uh, at that point in time, it was a private school. Um, but I was able to go free education because my mom taught there. So, you know, I was able to get, you know, pretty good teaching, you know, in terms of class sizes. Um, and, you know, that's where, I, you know, I started to excel in, in academics and, and sport. After that, you know, back then, you know, we did the GCEs or O levels or some noise and, and A levels and I did them both and and you know after successful completion of, of those exams I went to university and I chose to go to um, the University of Technology um, because of the trap program and also because of their uh, computer science program that they had there um, so you know I went there and uh, again you know took part in sports um, basketball track I was on the soccer team also or football as we call it. And, you know, um, swimming and, and of course did my academics. So, you know, that's where I, I, I cut my teeth in, in computer science, if you will. Um, and then right after school, I, I went into computer science, um, 
you know, the tech industry as we know it today. I'm starting with programming, which I quickly realized, even though I could do it, I could not <laughs> see myself doing that for the rest of my life. Oh, that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. That's a, that's a, uh, a good start. Um, you know, and you know, you, you realize that, you know, programming wasn't necessarily for you. So, so what did you do next? Like, how did you still, you know, end up getting back into technology as your ultimate career path? And, you know, this is where, you know, I'm thankful for, again, my parents. So, you know, they are, they were my first mentors, um, you know, especially my dad um, in, in really encouraging you to dream big, think big. But also I had a professional mentor mm. where I first started to work. And, you know, I'll never forget his name, Winston Dodds. He took me under his, his, uh, his wing, if you will, and um, really helped me um, to, to expand my knowledge, um, broaden my horizons in the whole technology sphere um, outside of just programming and introduced me to other aspects of technology. And, and that really opened my appetite, if you will, um, you know, firstly in the networking side and then eventually as I got into project management. Um, you know, that, that, that really catapulted me to where I am today. Nice. Awesome. Um, so, so how did you end up in, in Canada? Well, you know, you know, in all, in all fairness, you know, I have to give all that credit to my wife. Um, after we got married and we met in university, um, we started dating after university. So a little tidbit there. So nice. we're good friends first. And I'm a big proponent for being very good friends, understanding and knowing each other before, you know, you take the next step. Um, I made that commitment, but, you know, we were, we're both, you know, moving up in our careers. Um, at that point in time, I was working with the ministry of health and, you know, I was the youngest director within the ministry moving well, I was in charge of the entire region and technology there. Um, you could say the equivalent of a CIO, if you will, um, for that region, but I was like in my mid twenties and, wow. you know, she was working with the central bank, um, doing well, I recently got promoted. And then she says, Hey, um, Canada has this program where, you know, we can apply and, um, you know, go abroad and live. And I'm like, why? <laughs> we're, we're living well. And furthermore, it's too cold. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to play soccer. I, I played a lot of soccer. Right? Yeah. So I'm not going to get access to my soccer and, you know, all of that stuff. And I said, if I really wanted to go abroad, I would have gone to the States because I had that opportunity and I passed it up. And so she got all the paperwork did everything that she could do and had it sitting on my desk for two years. Wow. And just occasionally would say, Hey, you want to revisit that idea about going to Canada? I'm like, ah, no. Until finally, um, it was a rude awakening for me. I mean, I love my country, mm. but you know, once, you know, I had a couple of run-ins where, you know, being held up and, um, you know, guns are involved and that sort of thing. And then, when I thought about it, you know, I was driving home and even though I, I now lived in Kingston with my wife, um, I worked in Ocho Rios, which is on the coast. Mm. So I had a place out there, but I would try and come home as often as I could. And especially if I had meetings in Kingston, then I'm definitely going home and driving home one day. I was like, you know, I love Jamaica. I myself had received a very good education. So did my wife, but I want to grow, to, to grow my children and to raise my family in an environment that is more family centric. Mm. Um, and that will also allow them to broaden their horizons even further than what we have been able to do with ours. 
is there a good education in Jamaica? Absolutely. Absolutely. You may have to pay for it, but absolutely. <laughs> um, but, you know, what we have been able to introduce them to, um, having come to Canada, um, you know, if I had a choice to do it again, I, I definitely would. And this time probably a bit faster. <laughs> you wouldn't <laughs> wait the two years. <laughs> I wouldn't wait the two years, but it was all my wife. It was nice. all my wife. She did all the research. And, you know, just to tell you, I, I, I now live in the GTA and where I live in the GTA, it's all because of one university friend that we found mm. who also resided there. And I'm like, okay, if it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. Um, did a little research and, you know, got ourselves an apartment and we moved from there. Amazing. And, you know, how, how was that transition for you, right? I assume, like, you know, had you been to Canada before or was it, you know, just all brand new and, you know, you had to experience all of that culture shock and, and of course, the, the crazy winters that, we've, that we have here? So, you know what? My dad had traveled to Canada. And uh, so he was pretty conversant with um, traveling to Canada. You know, I, I emphasize that traveling and living are two different things. Yeah. I myself had traveled um, for, you know, personal vacation or for business, but mainly to the States. I'd never been to Canada. So, but, you know, I had experienced winters. And so that was no big deal. Again, I, I emphasize living in it <laughs> <laughs> and just visiting are two different things. So there was a shock, I must say. Um, you know, after selling our possessions, you know, you have a couple of cars, one home, furniture, all that stuff. You know, you, you think, you know, your bank account is looking good. And then I came to Canada and I was looking at the bills and I whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and just getting used to the tax system and so on. So it, it took some time. Um, again, you know, I was surrounded with, eventually I found other university friends who were here and, and other people from church. You know, having that community around you is golden. Mm. Um, they were a support system, but there were days and I would just go for walks and I, I, I would just, it's just me and God talking. I'm like, Lord, why, why? <laughs> We're in good jobs. I mean, you know, you, you have allowed us to come here. I'm not, I'm not seeing the fruit. I'm <laughs> helping to see this fruit because I'm not seeing it. And it, it really pushed the boundaries of my faith, man. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I must say it did because I questioned God many times. Um, and, you know, at the same time, though, and because, you know, I had kids who were born here, we actually came up and they were delivered here. Um, which was all planned. I, I, I now had to think about how can I be there for my family, be the breadwinner, and not necessarily go to the factory. Not that I'm looking down and on, on, on working in a factory, right. but I, I, I'd set my bar um, at a certain place, but I was being told by some people in the network that, hey, <laughs> There's no way you can forget it. You're a director. I have forget about that. Mm. You're gonna have to start from from you know from the ground and build yourself up. And whereas I was willing to do anything for my family, um, I wasn't going to to not give ourselves an opportunity right. um, to to be all that we could be from the get go. How did you ultimately um, you know traverse that period in your life? How to, and and end up you know, getting into a career trajectory that you were happy with? You know, one, you know, I, I you know, I'm, I'm faith-based, right? I'm a Christian. So um, lots of prayer, lots of bruised knees, um, people all around the world praying for us. So it starts there. Um, the second thing is 
having that self-belief, um, you know, knowing that, you know, in all things, you know, you can be great. Um, you know what you can do, um, you know, but also getting myself to a place of humility mm. where, you know, once I accepted that in order to feed my family, which came first, um, and to be that breadwinner or to be a source of income, I'm certainly just a breadwinner. My wife just wasn't working at the time. Um, I may have to do a job that is, you know, not aligned with my training, then, then so be it. And after I was okay with that, um, I, I just happened to go on Workopolis. I fixed up my resume, um, ensured that it was at the top of the pile by, you know, adding something every day and take out a, a period, putting it back and that sort of thing. But really doing research. So the job became getting a job. Right. And I really became a student of how to go about getting a job. So I was a sponge. And, you know, I asked questions. I did research. Um, you know, at that time we had, you know, um, HRDC at our disposal. All that was, so I made use of all the resources. And I fixed up my resume. Went for a walk. But that was my way of just getting away, having my conversation with God. This time it was more me thanking him and, and not necessarily challenging his authority. And dominion. Um, and I got back and I said, Hey, hon, you know, I, I sent you that resume. And before I could finish the sentence, the phone rang. Huh. So I answered the phone. And, you know, I, I got used to recruiters calling now and, Hey, they just want your name to, you know, add to their stack so they can say, Yes, we have X amount of applicants. But this was actually from a, a company. Um, and, and they were interested in bringing me in for a live interview. Nice. And, and that's how it started. And, you know, to be honest, this is where I really got to see systemic racism mm. in that. On one hand, Canada said, please come to our country. But on another hand, there are those here who said, yeah, but your qualification isn't good enough for us. And I'm like, but tech is tech. Um, so, woo, that's, that, that's a bit of pill to swallow. So I had to navigate those murky waters too. And, you know, again, prayer and eventually that, that fateful call turned into, into my first job. And whereas it was a contract opportunity, it was a couple months and that was all right. It got my feet wet and got the Canadian experience that apparently I needed then um, to move on. Um, project management was the route I took and went on to get my certification. But again, research, research, research. Um, I aligned myself with individuals who, um, one, spoke life into me. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously it was an older individual. And, and two, understood the landscape, but also understood where I was coming from as a young black professional. Um, I remember him today. Um, Rob Miko was one of them. Um, Pastor Rob Miko. Um, yep. in, in fact, I eventually worked for him um, at the city of Toronto and at the city of Brampton. But, you know, it's people like those in your life. And, and, and that's why I'm, I'm such an advocate for um, mentorship today. Mm -hmm. That I believe that, you know, each one needs to reach one. Um, those of us who can need to reach back and help others so they too can have that courage to dream. Um, but it started with project management. Nice. And, and you mentioned a couple of interesting things. You know, you had a network of folks and some people were telling you what was impossible. 
right? Um, trying, you know, almost discouraging you to to not go down the path that you wanted for yourself and your family. And then you had the other mentors that were really pushing you in terms of what you believe uh, and your capabilities. So, so how did you, um, first of all, on the mentorship piece, you know, what did that look like for you? How did you end up finding the right mentors uh, to navigate this new environment that you found yourself in? You know, it's, it's again, that mentor from church and um, it's just enabling, putting myself in, in, in situations, in professional situations. So I, I'll go to um, those professional gatherings um, that will have people of, you know, like-minded individuals, if you will. Um, and those that are also in a period of transition, um, you know, I would be open, you know, got over my pride. You know, most of us Jamaicans have this pride, right? <laughs> but I got over my pride and, and opened up um, to others within my, say, hey, I'm really looking for this. This is what I'm thinking of. Um, I just want an information session right now. And that's where it started. And until eventually, um, when I started at the city of Brampton, um, that's where I met Pastor Rob Meek because he was, he was there at that time. And we just clicked. And, you know, I, I just asked if, if I could, you know, just talk to him and bounce ideas off of him. And he said, you know what, let's formalize it. Nice. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, when I started reporting to him, obviously we had the one-on-ones, but then he did have that coaching time. Um, and, you know, that helped to, to you know, ignite a, a relationship uh, from a mentor and a mentee that, you know, I've benefited from. And there are others that along the way that I benefited from. But, you know, he was certainly instrumental. And that's, what, that's why I definitely would have to give him a lot of props. Amazing. Um, so so you've, you've walked, you know, you, you've, I guess you've, you've crossed a, you know, a, a huge bridge, right? Moving from Jamaica, coming to Canada, setting up your family, um, and then getting into the workforce. And, you know, you've worked your way through a variety of careers, uh, including, as we mentioned, you know, GS1, Rogers, uh, the city of Toronto. Um, when did you decide that it was the right time to go into a nonprofit uh, organization? Um, you know, World Vision being, being what it is, right? Focused on, uh, you know, alleviating um, uh, poverty amongst children, like focusing on, 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 be, I guess, being the largest child-focused private charity in, in, in the world, really. What made you, what drew you to that, that space? You know, my, my father died in April of 2019. That was tough. Mm. Um, even though, you know, we expected it, you have cancer and metastasized the spine and that so on. So it was a matter of time, to be honest. When I went down for the funeral, um, you know, I was there for about a month. You know, I was just helping my mom and all that good stuff. And then, of course, after when everyone leaves, you know, that's when, you know, some support's really required. And, you know, I was the one that they really leaned on for the business and all that good stuff. So I was just thinking something that my dad always said was, when is enough enough? And what's your purpose? You know, um, your job is, is what you're employed to do. But your work is what you're deployed to do. And, and so I, I, I thought about that. And I was like, all right, so I love my job, but that must come to an end. The work never ends. Where, where can I put myself in a situation that helps me up for what I would want to do once I retire, which is 
mentorship, which is giving back, um, which is, you know, from a faith-based perspective, of course, bridging the gap between society as we know now and, of course, the spiritual realm. And I saw the opportunity um, at World Vision. I spoke with my wife, and that's one thing. I encourage all men out there mm. who have heard that, you know, there are certain things that you, you shouldn't discuss with your wife. That's, that's baloney. Um, I believe once you go through that covenant of marriage, um, you are one and one in everything. And so, yes, you know, there may be some decisions that they, they may move to you. That doesn't mean that you can't discuss it. Yeah. So I, I, I will always discuss it, stuff with her. And this was one of them. And we spoke about it. And, of course, you're crunching the numbers. It doesn't make sense. And then, again, I, we would say, but then what makes sense? Right. I'm, I'm not looking to, to become, you know, Mr. Bezos or, or anyone of that <laughs> nature. That would be great. Yeah. You know, let me be honest. That would be great. But, you know, once we're in a position to provide for our family and ensure our children's or children, sorry, we're, we're set up and, you know, go off to university and have three girls. Um, we're all in university. Then what is it up? Um, and then how is that helping to go about the Great Commission? Um, mm. And how is that then helping me to fulfill my purpose? And I realize I, I, I like helping. Um, I love helping others. I love sharing my experience. I love um, being able to help someone navigate, um, you know, their own choppy waters. Um, by giving them my experience. And yeah, I, I took that decision last year, actually. And um, you know what? I, I have no regrets. That's good. How has, how has the experience been so far? It's, 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 it's a different environment. Um, you know, I'm, I'm used to much bigger budgets. Um, you know, stewardship is, is, has definitely taken on a different meaning for me. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it's very fulfilling. Right. Um, when you think about the vulnerable girls and boys around the world who benefit from it, um, when you think about those in the field who are um, plodding away um, at, you know, probably a third of the, the median salary here and enjoying it, um, you see why you get into it. Mm. Um, and when you can speak life in just one person, that's it for me. I'm good to go. Um, you know, be it formally or informally. That's, that's good for me. And it's, it's all about the purpose, as you mentioned before, just fulfilling yes, your purpose. Amazing. Amazing. So, you know, you mentioned um, about, you know, just when you, when you, when you moved to Canada and you, you were starting to, to look into work and, you know, you pointed out that the whole concept of systemic racism, um, uh, that that you've you've experienced and and you've been outspoken about anti-black racism uh, yes. for 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 a while. Um, given the environment that we're in right now, you know, there's a lot of attention on this, particularly in Canada and and um, you know in the United States. Uh, what are what are some thoughts around what companies, even not for profits, uh, can do um, to address some of the systemic racism or just take a stand against? Uh, systemic racism or anti-black racism? Um, you know what? I, I think, number one, many companies can take a leap out of, you know, Black North Initiative's um, playbook um, in trying to put action behind the words. So that's one broad brush statement on me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hit with a stat. 
you know, CDC did a report um, some time ago that, you know, they looked over the last 17 years. And what they came up with is that 8% of the population in Toronto is black. And yet 37% of police victims have also been black. There's an issue there. Mm. So I, I, I think about how the inequality um, of the distribution of, of not just wealth, but of access. You know, COVID-19 happens. And, and I know I'm going in a long-winded way to answer your question, but I will. COVID-19 happens and still, and well, as at the end of May into mid-June, there is no race-based information, none. Um, it was all holistic. You know, we're told to socially distance, but then there are many of, especially the black community who live in communities um, where there are one and two bedroom houses with, or apartments with, you know, four, five, six people in it, some some even more. How can they social distance? Right. They take TTC to work. Um, TTC was off. They can't get to work. They can't remote work because they have to be there because of the type of labor it is. Mm. So it's, even through COVID, there was an unequal distribution. So what can companies do? One, invest in these communities. Right. Um, two, even in our own company, the question that we have asked is, there's no doubt that we need to do something for anti-racism. And, you know, to be honest, World Vision has done a lot. They have done a lot. Having said that, what explicitly is the problem at World Vision that we're trying to solve? And to find that out, we have to create a space where people can be uncomfortable to have that conversation. Right. Or let me put that another way, create the space where people are comfortable in having an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. So, so it's allowing all of us um, as members of the black community, specifically, and I'm, I'm, I'm really emphasizing that, but I think we've broad brushed it a lot. Right. Uh, you know, racism is everywhere. It's not just blacks. Um, when I say, well, you know what? I heard about a run for breast cancer. There are many different types of cancer, yeah. but that run was for breast cancer. Yeah. This drive is for the black community. So I, I think it starts with recognizing what's the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, and then starting from the top, what do we need to do from a leadership perspective? What do we need to do from a policy perspective? And what then do we need to do from an ongoing activity perspective to ensure that those who we hire and not just as a checkbox, but how then do we do that? those checks and balances in the unconscious bias training? How can we ensure that it's holistic? Um, you know, how can we do simulations? And how can we provide the forum in which we can have these moderated sessions right. um, where people can share their experiences? Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I'll, I'll just pivot over to, to, you know, some reflections, you know, and lessons that you've learned along the way in your journey. Um, you know, what would you say is your, you know, you know we, we talked about, you know, purpose, right? Uh, finding your purpose and living your purpose. Um, but along that, you know, what would you say is the a, a leadership philosophy that you've developed, um, especially being a leader um, in a variety of roles uh, that you've played in your career and in the community? My overarching theme has always been um, being able to allow yourself to to realize the profundity of of faith and abasement. And there's a reason why I put the two together. 
And I, I think if you realize as you build your faith in God, as you build your faith in yourself, you must go through trials. That's actually put in place. Those challenges are put in place to help us to endure. It's in, in the building of that endurance that we build our faith. Right. So, you know, as my parents would say, there's no smooth mountain out there. All the mountains have edges. All the mountains have rocks. All the mountains will be laborious in getting to the top. But you can get to the top, but it takes work. Um, and it's not devoid of challenges. So it's understanding that there's always a way to get to the other side. It's how you go about it. Right. And it's accepting that, um, you know, there are instances that are outside of your control. Number one. Um, and number two also is being humble, um, to accept where you are, not seeing someone else driving a fancy car or living in a big home saying, I want that, you know, next week. Um, but abasing yourself so that you can abound. So once I got over my own pride and, and really realized that, you know, it all went back to my faith, faith in God, faith in myself and faith in those who I surround myself with. Once I was humble and I abased myself, then I could see the fruit of abounding. So so that has been my overarching theme. That's amazing. Um, you know, I've also encouraged um, everyone to dream. So have the courage to dream. And again, this goes back to my parents. And, you know, for those one-parent households out there, um, I, I think it's very important that we allow, um, we make allowance for dreams. Um, you have to dream it to achieve it. That's so the adage goes. Um, and it's a goal is just a dream that has a deadline or a target to it. Yeah. So if you don't have that dream, there's nothing to shoot towards. And, you know, your dream is most likely your passion. So therefore, you're more likely to follow it. Well, then you have to be, you have to be sure, or better yet, you have to have that courage um, to shoot for the stars. Um, and, and hence, again, you know, why I'm so big on mentorship and so on. Um, so that those, especially in my community, especially in that marginalized black community, let me be explicit, right. can have that courage to dream. Because if I didn't have that courage to dream, I wouldn't be a CIO today. Yeah. Very deep. Very deep. And and very, very necessary. Um, very, very necessary words, right? I, I like that that concept of having, just having that courage to dream. A lot of the times, you know, we, we're trapped in a mental mindset that puts roadblocks, right? Even in what we think about, how we think about our success, um, or the, the possibility of success, but, you know, freeing our minds from, from those limitations, if you will. Um, and as you mentioned, through faith, um, through encouragement, through, uh, those around you, uh, I think, I think that, that sends a, uh, a very good message to your brain that, you, you know, things are possible. That things Absolutely. are possible. Yeah. I mean, Bob Marley would say, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Exactly. We cannot rely on someone else to do what we need to do. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. There's, there's, there's individual responsibility oh, uh, that, that we must take into consideration, even in an atmosphere where, you know, 
we're looking at systemic racism, right? Mm-hmm. There's still an individual responsibility that isn't just on the system itself. Um, amazing. So, so I guess my, my next question then, you know, given that you've just uh, recently stepped into this nonprofit space uh, as a CIO, um, are you thinking about what's next uh, beyond this? And, and if so, what does that look like? You know, I've thought about it. You know, my mind goes to, you know, just giving thanks for my daily bread, um, taking things a day at a time. But really for me, my, my thought has been in giving back. So it would be in some ministry, um, working with youth, um, just, you know, continuing any form of mentorship and, you know, really activating that space and, and really elevating, um, you know, the attitude of our youth today so that, you know, their altitude can be much higher than they may perceive it to be. Right. So it, it's going to be along that same lines of mentorship for sure. Cool. What would you say to your younger self? <laughs> you know what? Um, at one point, I was afraid to dream. Um, and, it, and hence that, that, you know, adage of mine, don't be afraid to dream. Um, and employ active listening. Because, um, you know, those of you or those of us um, who have been through a few things, who, who have experience and the battle scars to show for it, um, do have some nuggets of wisdom to share. You know, I used to think, hey, you know, you're old, what do you know, sort of thing. You know, youthful exuberance. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, too. Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely tell my, my younger self, dream, dream big, mm. shoot for the stars. Um, if I'd done it and actually followed what my parents were telling me earlier, um, you know, who knows where I'd have been now. Right. Right. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, so j- just before we wrap up, um, we're just going to go through, a uh, what I call a rapid fire session. All right. Um, and I'm just going to hit you with about five different questions. Um, and, you know, just give me your best answers as quickly as, as possible. All right. All right. Okay. Sure. So first one, uh, what is a book that you're currently reading? I mean, outside of the Bible, um, there's this book that I just got. It's just it's from John Grisham. Honestly, I don't really know the name <laughs> of it. I literally picked it up on the weekend because, uh, you know, we, we went on a little vacation there. There's a book by John Grisham about some lawyer who is defending someone um, who has been wrongfully accused. Cool. Uh, what would you say is your favorite productivity hack or tool? Wow. My favorite productivity tool, without a doubt, has been Microsoft Teams. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a Teams advocate. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm on Teams. I'm on Teams right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely has, it, has been the, the most useful productivity tool for me over this period. Brilliant. Um, you know, I have it on the mobile. I have it everywhere. So it's always with me. Awesome. Uh, without a doubt. What would you say is your uh, favorite place to escape to? The golf course. Nice. Have you played? Have you played some rounds already? Yep, I have. As recent as yesterday. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. Um, And who would you say is your biggest cheerleader or supporter? My wife. Awesome, awesome. Easy answer. (laughs) Easy answer. And then my kids, and then probably my my mom, and so on. Yeah. And would you say that you're an early riser or a night owl? Both. Both. Oh wow. And I don't. I don't (laughs) encourage that. I don't encourage that. Um, I, 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 I wake up early generally to, to exercise, to go through my devotions, meditate, all that good stuff. 
but I go to bed late because that's when I get working after all the meetings of the day. Right. Um, and or if I had a mentorship activity or something of the nature, but I, I try to give up my time. So yeah. I, I've had to make some sacrifices. Awesome. Well, Horace, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. Really appreciate having you on the show. I, you know, awesome, awesome nuggets of advice and wisdom uh, that I think will go a long way to inspiring a whole bunch of individuals, especially young folks, uh, as they start to think about their future and, and as they start to hopefully uh, dream a lot bigger than they actually are at the moment. So much appreciated for having you. Thank you for having me. All the best with the show. Um, you know, I hope and pray that you continue to grow and to reach um, the airwaves of many more thousands awesome. than that you're reaching today and just spreading positive vibes and positive messages. That's Thanks awesome. again. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Made to Lead. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please share with others. Also take a moment to leave a review as well. This helps us improve and also get discovered by others. You can also support by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show and by visiting our website, madetolead.co. If you would like to be featured or know an amazing person of African descent whose story would be inspirational to others, I'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, madetolead.co slash getfeatured and send us a note. As you continue on your own leadership journey, remember that if you don't spread your wings, you'll never know how high or how far you can fly. So stretch your feathers because you were made to lead.